Hey, welcome to Electric Liberty Land 226. And before we get into the show here, I need to tell you again about two books by author and friend of the show, C.W. Booth Weich, called The Buffalo Man on Main Street and Narcolepsy. I told you how much these books will increase your penis length, at least three inches, an IQ increase of at least 20 points. That's doubling the already 20-point IQ uh, increase you got by listening to this show, leaving them in the same room. For even a few hours, will increase your lady's bust and her insatiability for you in a sexual manner. Check these out. Buying one of these books will add 10 years to your life. If you buy both, you will literally never die. Statement's not approved by the FDA, but again, neither have most of the vaccines. So check these out. Again, Buffalo on Main Street and Narco slash Lepsy. Narcolepsy specifically is very libertarian and very anti-state in which some of the main characters actually seek to blow up a federal building, kind of like uh, in the seminal film fight club so check those out support the show support a supporter of the show anywhere books are sold in paperback on amazon for kindle etc and of course if you don't buy them you are a dick welcome to electric liberty land here on the lions of liberty podcast your weekly shot of culture comedy and liberty with your host brian mcwilliams what's happening out there in liberty land folks hopefully you're watering your lawns making sure they stay green and they grow with the flowers of freedom uh yeah welcome to the show y'alls i uh wonder how many of you out there watch the oscars because Jesus Christ, man. I haven't seen a drop in a viewership audience like this, I think, in the history of mankind. Maybe there was one. Maybe The only one I could think of is maybe the Roseanne show when that came back. And uh, right after she had tweeted about Valerie Jarrett, you know, saying that she looked like a monkey. And then Jarrett said, aha, but I actually am half black. And Roseanne went, oopsie, oopsie. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was the Ambien. Uh, so it was there this big of a show drop. But the Oscars, which had already taken their lumps, right? The Oscars already had dropping viewership numbers precipitously year by year as they got woker and woker and these assholes in Hollywood didn't get the memo that people don't tune in to hear them jerk themselves off and preach to them about how stupid they are and uh, basically flog their mollies about their little insular Hollywood charitable endeavors and, uh, you know, that global warming was going to kill us all as I think it was a Leonardo DiCaprio. I think maybe uh, Joaquin Phoenix went off on a rant about that. They all do it. But it had dropped, I think, last year, like 23%, right? And this had been, I mean, the Oscars was one, it was like the Super Bowl for a very long time and that everybody tuned in. It had great, I was like, I used to really look forward to watching the Oscars. Back in the days when, you know, Billy Crystal was the host, it was entertaining, it was thrilling. I mean, granted, I was a young kid, so I was just excited to be able to stay up. I mean, I was probably, I don't even know, 15, 16, 17, probably younger, actually, if I was excited to stay up. <laughs> Now I'm excited to go to sleep. How the world changes. Man, goddamn, if I can get into bed before 8 o'clock. <laughs> oh, boy, my day is set. But as Hollywood you know, as Hollywood changed, as making sure, and, and look, I don't want to think, I don't want to be naive and think that there was never some sort of political aspect to it. There always was. But I think there was also a divergence in 
actors in Hollywood where there were the Charlton Hestons on stage. You know, there were, um, God, who was the other guy that was a big NRA advocate as well? Ah, shit, it was the guy who was, there was another guy who was like very conservative who, who did pushups on stage too. So, you know, Charlton Heston was ours, obviously NRA, but beyond that, there were just a lot more old school or people from around the entire national spectrum politically that maybe lived in Hollywood or maybe spent some of their time in Hollywood, some of the time in out of Hollywood. But it wasn't this really just insular bubble of thought that was monotonous throughout the uh, glitterati class. Now, what do you blame for that? I don't know. Probably social media has got something to do with it. The ubiquitous um, umbrella effect of just wokeness being pushed through academia. So now all the actors coming out of schools that are getting into this are going getting woke. That the fact that these celebrities have publicists that are pushing them to all get involved with these woke charitable aspects in order to keep their brand sparkling and clean, at least with the blue side of the political spectrum, has something to do with it. But hot damn, man, the amount of political horseshit shoehorned in where before it would be a joke or two here or there, right? You might have a Billy Crystal making a joke about some current event of the day, but it wasn't a fucking diatribe delivered to you by a host clearly off script, right? Like this, like this Oscars, the most boring thing I've ever watched. The most fucking boring thing I have ever seen. It had, it was an absolutely utterless, joyless affair from the get go. First off, they didn't have a host, right? Instead of having professional comedians, instead of having a Ricky Gervais in there who's going to rip the shit out of these celebrities like he did with the Golden Globes hilariously, uh, was it last year or two years ago? Instead, what they did is, oh, they tapped into actors to host. Lovely. Those same people that have no senses of humor for the most part, can't take a joke, can't tell a joke, and are some of the most absolutely logically devoid. And as far as understanding the purview of the average American, as far as understanding the actual issues at hand, tend to be as ill-informed as, say, your, te- your your average backwoods rube that overdosed on meth and hasn't been out of the woods in a week as he wanders around trying to find where he left his crack pipe. Like these people don't realize they are on the same mental level as these same rubes that they despise so much. So they have the first quote unquote host of like four actors and actresses come out there. And it's Regina King, right? Uh, who I don't know. She's just, she's some ugly chick. <laughs> and I'm sorry, she is. She's just some, you know, ugly black chick that's been in a bunch of movies. And uh, she comes out there and, of course, starts it off with a diatribe about Derek Chauvin and how she would have been in marching boots if they, if he hadn't been found guilty and how she has gone through as a black woman with a son, yada, yada, yada. I and mean, this was literally within the first fucking two minutes of the show. And I, like most of America, since the drop, which I've been holding off telling you the actual drop for this broadcast, which was 58%, 58% drop from last year's viewership. Now, I was at an Oscars party, right? Because my friends do an Oscars party every year where people make food and we get drunk, right? And that's the only reason I go. I go for the food. I go to gorge myself on wine and uh, you know, like Dionysus. I go to get gorged on wine and uh, and fancy foods. But 
if I were not at this party, I would have changed the channel within two minutes of watching it. Within two minutes of turning the broadcast on, I would have been so annoyed, so incensed at this fucking chick coming out and making this into a political statement on something that's supposed to be a celebration of art, of theater, of escapism, which is what movies, for the large extent, are supposed to be. They seem to have forgotten this in their emphasis on trying to get themselves pats on the back and into making a statement because God knows these vapid fucks need to feel as though they are doing something for society, right? So now, instead of going out and making, instead of making their contribution, giving the average man or woman something to do that takes their mind off of their troubles, something that they can just watch and check out and not have to worry about what's going on outside or the politics of the day or the riots that have burned down half of their fucking town after the George Floyd murder, or that are still going on because God knows you can't have a cop shoot a 16-year-old girl trying to stab another 16-year-old girl without people marching in the streets. But they've forgotten that it isn't their duty to remind people how shitty they are nonstop through their films and through their their protestations of their their dedication to racial harmony and figuring out this, how are we going to solve America's race problems, right? As though we don't have a million other problems too. None of which got brought up during this podcast or this uh, broadcast. But instead, they feel like they have to constantly change the world for the better in their ill-informed view by lambasting us as we tune in to a fucking television broadcast. So, as I said, as I would have done, most of America turned off. And the Oscars got so woke that it may have killed itself. Now, it's such a legacy brand that I have a hard time thinking they won't still come back and retool it. And probably whoever aired it, I can't remember what channel it was on, maybe ABC, probably has more than a year contract with the Oscars that they paid a shit ton of money for. Because that's how these things work. Kind of like you know the Super Bowl, the NFL, you contract for a certain amount of time with the American uh, Picture Association. So they're probably locked in. In for a penny, in for a woke pound. The question is now, how do they go forward and salvage this mess? I mean, do you literally have to go out of your way and say, we will cut your mic if you get political? Maybe that'll turn away some of these super political activists. Maybe that's actually going to entice them to do more political bullshit because God knows, you know, any of these people going up there and saying these diatribes that are more or less unfucking true. One guy did a, of course, a documentary about cops shooting black people. Actually, it wasn't wasn't even a documentary. It was a short film about cops shooting black black people with a ridiculous ending where the guy becomes friends with the cop and then the cop goes, aha, he was on the joke and still shoots him. That guy went up and made a speech about how there's a disproportionate amount, you know, three three people are shot every day by cops or killed every day by cops. Never mind, a lot of these people are armed and trying to stab people or rob places. And he goes, and those are disproportionately black. Now, both of those statements are are inaccurate. We know the latter statement about cops disproportionately proportionately shooting black people is absolutely inaccurate, as was proven by a professor, a black professor at Harvard, in what he described as the most shocking results of his career, and for which this black professor at Harvard was threatened with cancellation, was threatened with uh, censorship, because, oh, his research, his peer-reviewed, 100% accurate research didn't reflect the political research, right? And by research, I mean bullshit that the wider population wanted to shove down our throats. 
So I do wonder if they're going to try to cut mics. But of course, that would be amazing. What celebrity wouldn't love to have their mic cut and say that they sacrificed for their cause by being cut off? What a fucking PR coup that would be. It would be played on every broadcast. So now every celebrity would be more enticed to to uh, spew bullshit at the crowd in the hopes that they'd be censored. I mean, this is the odd funnel that we found ourselves in. This is the downward spiral into the Kraken's mouth, which wokeness and woke culture has has given us to try to figure a fucking solution to. Now, for me, the solution obviously comes from pushback from the American population, from people refusing to go and see these movies so that they become unprofitable. And if they're unprofitable, they'll just have to flat out change their ways. You know what? Because these celebrities, as much as they like to jerk themselves off, you know what they like being more than activists? Oh, they like being rich. They like being famous. They like being adored. And if we turn that spigot off, if we stop paying attention to these people, if we stop retweeting them, even hate tweeting them, if we give them literally zero interest or emphasis, if they don't let let them basically become a non-existent factor in our lives with no gravitational pull, I promise you they will change their ways. Now, that might mean that you don't watch and you vote with your feet. And no, to the assholes in the world, This is not cancel culture. This is a free market response because I'm not saying that we're trying to forcibly cancel somebody. I'm not trying to forcibly get these people fired. I'm not trying to take anything out of context. I'm not trying to demonize them or tell people where they live or go out inside and protest outside their houses. But I'm saying you vote with your dollars. And if somebody has become so utterly repulsive, if the content that is being put out there has become so utterly pandering, which is what every one of these fucking movies was, by the way. This was unwatchable, depressing, pandering, woke dreck. Nominated for one reason and one reason only, because it fit a category that checked off the box of stopping people from tweeting out Oscars so white. That was number one. And of course, that played into the wider woke consciousness. So if we simply don't watch, don't download, don't acknowledge these things, they will go away and things will return to the way in which they were. Or alternately, look to create your own content. You know, I told you guys, Do Nothing Man, which yes, there's a Do Nothing Man coming. It's been fucking, been out of town and busy. It's been tricky, but I'm getting this figure finished up. The new Do Nothing Man is going to be coming out with the Masketeers. Already got it, uh, got it written. I just need to record it. You know, we're creating this content. With our Patreon group, which you can join by patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty, we're trying to figure out how we can animate this to kick it to the next level. Because right now, you can find the the audio episodes on YouTube. I got to say, I do a great job with them, but they're not getting as much traction as they should. You guys are to blame for that. (laughs) Go and listen. Go and share these things. Go and get this content out in the open. But we're looking to animate that. On the same level, you know, you saw what happened with Gina Carano. She's now with Ben Ben, uh, Shapiro making a film where there is an audience for these films, they will find the funding to make them. And I'm just like that, you know, I'm writing several films with a buddy who's as woke as they come, but the content we're writing is old fashioned, non-political fun films because we are going to reach and probably have reached a point with American society where people just want to see a fucking fun film and not be preached to. That's why mortal Kombat is cleaning up right now. 
People just want a movie where goofballs dressed up in funny outfits beat the shit out of each other and don't lecture each other about how if you rip Jax's arms off, you have committed a hate crime and thus you have to be put away twice as long in the Mortal Kombat prison or whatever the hell it is sent down to the the nether domain than if a fellow black person had done it. And if you punch an Asian guy in the face, they punched you in the face. It's not an Asian hate crime. It just happens to be that you guys are fighting each other. Maybe he hit you with an ice ball. So you hit him with a fireball. But you know what I'm trying to say here. All joking aside, is that I think this may have finally been the death knell for the Oscars as it has existed in the past 10 years. And that the joyless, completely comedy-less world of Hollywood might actually get shaken out of their uh, their stupor and realize that the money is dwindling. And when that well gets so dry that these people have to climb down and fuck each other in the muck in order to get what little moisture still exists out of there, they're going to figure out that, you know what, we got to start digging a new well. And that well can't be polluted with woke politics. It has to be a well that everybody can drink from. Speaking of wells that everybody can drink from, let me tell you guys about another podcast called Paul's to the Walls. Paul's to the Walls. This is something that I think people can enjoy, unlike the woke bullshit Oscars I just told you about. Paul's to the Wall is a libertarian podcast from two brothers, Mike and Nick. Nick? Mike and Nick. <laughs> I almost called him Nate. Well, maybe Nate Paul's a good idea. You know, guys, if you two ever clone each other, maybe smush them sperms together, guys. If you're listening, I know they're listeners of the show. Uh, make a clone with both of your DNA. Call it Nate. Maybe Make Paul. You've made him. You know, Make Paul. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Check these guys out. They're funny. They're likable. And they uh, possess a good libertarian knowledge. They've had Scott Horton on the show. They've had Jason Stapleton on the show. They've had Gene Epstein on the show. They've had me on the show. They've had John Odermatt on the show. They just uh, recorded with Eric Brakey. Uh, I set that up. Kudos to me. <laughs> They also had Matt Erickson on, who was just on Monday's show. Uh, but also, they talk about things outside of the political discussion. So they're talking to interesting experts on topics like history, cars, jujitsu, music, barbecue, and more. So anyway, check those guys out. It's Paul's to the Wall, P-A-U-L-S, like our favorite Ron Paul. Paul's to the Wall. You can find that on any major plat podcasting platforms. Give them a listen. I promise you, you will enjoy them. So one thing I want to talk about as we come back in here is uh, the CDC finally, mercifully, has come around to the viewpoint that, yes, you can wear a mask uh, or you don't have to wear a mask outside if you've been vaccinated. Now, this viewpoint, of course, is still off in that there has never been a single shred of scientific evidence to show that wearing a mask outdoors has ever been necessary. Unless you're standing within about six inches of somebody and they spit directly into your mouth. And even then, haven't shown distinctly that that will get you uh, will get you sick. But no, there's never been any scientific evidence to show that you need to wear a mask outside. The transmission in an outdoor area where this isn't contained or the air isn't circulated is so low uh, as to be almost impossible. And we already know that sunlight kills it. We already know that all these exterior factors prohibit the transmission of the virus. And yes, that includes all the fucking variants too when you're outside. So you've never needed to wear a mask outdoors. A uh, tenet that I have always observed in not wearing a mask when I walk my dogs, not wearing a mask when I uh, go and, and take a jog, not wearing a mask when I walk down to the store. I mean, 
I'll put my mask on when I go in the store because I respect the wishes of that private business. And of course, I don't want to scare the normies into thinking that, God forbid, they're around somebody that's maskless. But the CDC has now said that at least outdoors, I can walk down the street now because if people are vaccinated, they don't have to wear a mask. So we're taking one step further towards normalcy, one step farther, farther towards a logical return to uh, to sanity insofar as walking down the street and being able to see the face of the person approaching you and not have them cross the street as people have done to me, not have them walk into the street, which by the way, idiot walking into the street as I approach you with my dogs and I don't have a mask on, the odds of you stepping into the street and being hit by a car are approximately 400 million times more than you catching COVID and dying walking on the same sidewalk that I am currently occupying. Just an FYI to you, Miss <laughs> Miss Thang walking down the street. Now, the other thing that they're saying too is that another study had come out uh, I believe this was an MIT study had come out showing that if, if it doesn't matter, you know, the social distancing thing, which has always been an invention based in non-science literally was thought up by some generals kid at a science fair years ago, had been trotted out for the first time when this quote unquote pandemic hit. And, you know, people just go, well, it seems basic logic. You know, you just, the farther apart you are, the less it'll spread. Well, good news guys. That's been debunked. Yeah. They did a study, uh, and again, I believe this is an MIT study, wherein they found that it doesn't matter if you're six feet away or 60 feet away. What matters is if you are in an enclosed environment that doesn't have good ventilation. Then, if you happen to have COVID and these particles get out into the air with nowhere to go and can't be swept away and aren't bleached by the sun, as I just told you, then you have a higher propensity for getting COVID. If you are maskless, especially. Even though we already know that masks have also not proven any, uh, they have no proven efficacy in any study. And I actually had an interesting back and forth. Well, on oh, so annoying Twitter back and forths. Had an interesting back and forth with my uh, good buddy's wife, who, of course, they're both complete COVID cultists, just uh, aggravating as as all hell. But I said, you know, there, show me one study. Right, because there's a study that that got debunked. It was a paper that a guy wrote, and it was ostensibly from Stanford. And I'd shared it. I read the paper. It was on the National Institute of Health website. So I shared it. I was like, "All right, looks legitimate enough to me." Well, it turns out it wasn't completely accurate. As my wife comes home, comes home, my dog makes noise in the background. Um, in that, the things in which the paper could, that could be refuted, right? Because it got quote unquote debunked by uh, the Washington Post and a couple other places like Politico, right? And what they took umbrage with was that the paper said that hypoxia or a dearth of uh, available oxygen in the lungs due to masks, which this paper had claimed, was not true. What none of these people did, did, did any sort of addressing, didn't debunk, didn't address, was the other part of the paper, which said accurately that there was no proof that masks stopped any of the aerosols from getting through, that the only thing that they stopped were large wet drops. As I was talking about, like, how many times are you talking to somebody where they spit directly in your mouth? You have to be quite close to somebody. And even then, you know, it's got to get right up in there. But the problem is these aerosol particles, the virus that come through, the masks don't stop them anyway. Because unless you're wearing like an ultra high grade medical mask, 
And even then, a lot of the times the particles could still get through, but unless it's an ultra high grade medical mask, it's not stopping anything because the particles are too small and they go through the fibers as they exist. And as we know, you're required to wear a face covering, not a high grade medical mask everywhere you go. So that piece of cloth dangling over your face, that bandana, like my idiot sister who I talked about last week on the show who was berating me for not getting vaccinated uh, and her husband wear around in New York City, do literally nothing. Nobody's refuting that claim in the paper because they can't. And I tweeted out saying, would somebody, if somebody can show me definitive proof that masks work, I'd be more than happy to read it. And I'll obviously recant any criticism I've had of the masks. There is none. That's my point. There are no studies showing it. So what do people text me or or what what does she tweet me out? A study, not even a study, basically a collection of thoughts on masks. So I read it as I am fair and I will change my opinion if I'm wrong. I read it. And in the studies, in each and every one of these categories of that I'm reading through, and there's like five different sections, it says definitively, they do not know and they cannot say definitively that masks stop viruses because they've never been able to do a test. They said it would be cruel to make people wear masks around for all this time, even though we're all wearing masks right now. But basically, they said they can't prove that masks do a goddamn thing. Everywhere in the paper, it says, well, they may prove effective. Not that they are effective, not that they uh, they stop, you know, a for sure 90% of the virus. They don't because they don't know and they can't prove it. And there aren't any studies to back it up. Fucking period. I read the whole long thing, but it's written in such a way to make you think that this is proven science when it's not. It's written in a way to you say, oh, this study and that study and this study. Look, they did six different different studies here on, on limited population groups. And you read them and each one says that there was no definitive proof that these masks did fucking jack shit. But that they thought it may have contributed to a, uh, a downtick in the disease in you know, this way or the other way. It may have, have uh, prevented large drop spread. This is all bullshit. But it's written as a recommendation. Well, we recommend that people wear masks, right? They all recommend that people wear masks because they view it as, well, we think it works. But of course, they don't really know. Anyway, at least we can go outside and walk around because they'll just presume we're vaccinated. I'll flash people the fucking V sign when I'm walking down the street like, what up? Like Ice Cube or not Ice Cube, like Vanilla Ice, you know, used to do back in the day, the white man sideways, sideways V like on uh, MTV jock jams and you had a softball home run hit it in that bucket went three, three home runs and people won't uh, walk across the street anymore. So that's satisfying. I think one woman I was walking my dog and she literally like was walking down the street with her baby. I could see her, the terror in her eyes. <laughs> oh, you know what? One thing I forgot real quick about the Oscars that I want to go back to um, it just popped in my head was that, Tyler Perry, uh, a man who I do not like, right? And and I guess at this point, I have to like him more because I just gave a whole diatribe on making stupid movies now that we're not super political. Now, he's done a little bit of both, but, you know, the majority of his films are pretty surface level. They're love stories, they're family dramas, or it's him and Medea going, you know, what's, oh, shit. Oh, Lord, no, what's not that fucking, what does he say? I can't remember. I've never seen a single one of them. But, 
you know, they're, they are goofy comedies. You know, they're goofy films. They're not political films. They're not uh, sad bastard make you come out and view the life in my specific way of, uh, of thinking kind of films. They are not force you into my worldview films. But Tyler Perry actually did a good speech because he got up there and like, unlike all these other people that are so divisive, that are telling white people that they're the goddamn devil that are making you feel shitty. They're saying how horrible things are with race. He just got up there and said, look, my mom taught me not to hate. She said, don't hate, refuse hate. You know, that was his core message. Stop hating each other. Talk to people, get along, stop going out and all and having hate in your heart in everything that you do and looking at other people as though they are monsters. And to that, I say, thank you, Tyler Perry. Good fucking job, man. Maybe I need to write a script for Tyler Perry, Medea script. That'll be, will that be hilarious? I quit the podcast because that's the script I sold. Medea goes to, oh, I'll do a Medea. Ernest goes to camp crossover. Tell me what portion of the population wouldn't watch that. I know Ernest is dead, but I mean, I've, I've got enough Ernest in me. I could probably pull that off. Hey, Vern. None of you young people know what the fuck I'm talking about here. I already know it. Okay, let's move on to uh, real quick. We'll do another race rules related stuff because now, you know, nobody is safe from the woke mob and it was absolutely hilarious when the Obamas, you know, people were protesting the Obamas having a school named after them. And I can't remember what it was for. It wasn't for any of the real things they should have had uh, brought up, you know, the drone bombings, the suspension of habeas corpus or the domestic spying. It was something far, far stupider than that. But now the university, let's see, there is the university of North England. uh, I'm sorry. Students at the university of Sheffield university in North of England are reportedly set to contextualize lessons on Newton. Yes, Sir Isaac Newton, the guy that that, uh, discovered gravity, under new claims about him benefiting from colonial era activity. What a broad and ridiculous phrase, colonial era activity, okay? So the professors in the engineering department at Sheffield University will, quote, challenge longstanding conscious and unconscious biases among pupils and confront the supposed white savior and Eurocentric view of science and mathematics. Because, guys, math is racist. Science is racist. Gravity, clearly racist. We all know that less black people would get shot if gravity wasn't fucking holding them down. It's not the white man holding them down anymore. It's gravity holding them down now. (laughs) So, anyway. They're trying to, quote, decolonize the curriculum, which I don't understand how you can decolonize. So, what? You just don't give people credit for their discoveries? Is Is this where we're going as a society where... If you discover something and you're white, you don't get credit, right? Is that is that the thought process now? Because just because something happened during a colonization period doesn't automatically make that thing null and void in the context of teaching it to people. Like what? I mean, this is literally 1984 rewriting the past and getting dumber all the time. You know, we're just going to go in. Well, no, that doesn't fit the narrative. All right, remove that. We'll create some new what? Some new Isaac character. I mean, Isaac is also a good black name. Wasn't Isaac the bartender on the love boat? The love boat. Uh, the black bartender on the love boat, right? Isaac. Anywho, um, a leaked copy of the university's draft inclusive curriculum development strategy said that much important engineering content and curriculum resources is based on maths developed in the 18th and 19th century. 
Scientists such as Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz, Paul Dirac, Pierre-Simon Laplace, Laplace, and Newton could all be considered as benefiting from colonial-era activity. I don't fucking know what they're talking about. I mean, does this mean, you know, one guy was theorizing, okay, does this mean because he invested in uh, South Sea shares in 1720, and that means he he was participating in the slave trade, but still, how does this impact the discoveries the man made? Yes, slavery is bad. We can all agree. Uh, is knowing what gravity is good? I would say empirically, yes, we could all agree. Is knowing how mathematics work good? I would argue yes again. I, I mean, I don't know where the logic breakdown is in this, and I don't know what they seek to accomplish other than making people roll their eyes and view this university as a place where only fucking imbeciles would attend. I have to think, just like places in the United States, um, you know, Williamsburg College and, uh, God, what was the one that, uh, Evergreen State, that's the other one I was trying to think of, Evergreen State, just, just like those, you know, we've seen that they have, just like with the Oscars, we see they have massive enrollment drops when they pull this dumbass shit because people go, why would I want to go to a university that is actively trying to make me dumber by obliterating agreed on scientific truths in the name of woke logic and woke scholastic development? It just doesn't make sense. But keep on doing it, guys. Keep on doing it. Uh, oh, and Toby Young, who I listened to on the Quillette podcast, General Secretary of the Free Speech Union said, quote, Newton famously said, quote, again, if I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Everyone studying mass or engineering deserves to stand on Newton's shoulders so they, too, can see further, regardless of their ethnicity. This harkens back a little bit to what I was talking about. Um, actually, I think it was on a rant. It was on a rant. One of my daily rants, guys, over at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty which uh, did I play the one over the weekend? I can't remember. But anyway, they're called Good Morning Fuckhead. And I do one a day, about five to seven, five to 10 minutes each. But I was talking about how math and uh, and uh, grammar is now racist, right? How correcting grammar was something that was seen as being racist and you were no longer allowed to do it because it was embracing white Western imperialism to correct somebody's grammar and tell them the proper way to spell, to, to put things uh, grammatically correct into sentences, etc. And I'd argue that this is, in fact, disenfranchising people that are coming from poorer areas because you are denying them access to historically accurate context, to historically accurate text, to the learning that exists in the broader world by denying them the ability to communicate in that agreed upon language. Math is an agreed upon language. It is a universal language. English has become a de facto universal language for many cultures. And especially if you're growing up in America, your fucking culture. So why would you not want to correct grammar so people can read and write, can understand lessons passed down through history, can understand text, can understand everything, the accrued knowledge that has come before them? And instead, you're saying, no, no, don't correct grammar. Make sure these kids learn a completely different language so that they are denied the amassed history and the amassed knowledge of their forefather. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I'm gobsmacked by it. The other thing I'm gobsmacked by... Zipix, Z-I-P-P-I-X, toothpicks.com, guys, where you can use promo code ROAR, R-O-A, ROAR, like the lion, R-O-A-R, 
roar like the lion to get 10% off your first order or a recurring order if you buy them all at once from these fantastic nicotine or B12 infused toothpicks. I love these things. I bring them to bars when I go out. I bring them to parties. You don't want to always be smoking or vaping necessarily, but if you are a smoker or a vapor, they've got a great hand-to-mouth feel. They give you that little buzz you're looking for. It also helps to uh, kind of curb those cravings that you might have. Additionally, you've heard me talk about it before, but the B12 caffeine toothpicks I love because I am a drankster. I mean, shit. I was taking these things to help me get back to my, uh, get my body back in condition after my long weekend in Vegas. I will tell you this. They don't help if you only sleep like three hours in two days. They don't help as much with that, but they do help my liver to feel better. They do help me to recover and not be so damn hungover. So check that out, guys. Z-I-P-P-I-X, ZipixToothpicks.com. These are FDA registered. These are made vacuum, you know, vacuum uh, created. They are high technology, high quality products, and I think you're going to love them. So check those out. And again, promo code ROAR. So coming back in here as we wrap the show up, got a few more topics to get into. The one of which I really want to address is CENTCOM, which of course CENTCOM is the anti-terrorist organization that is based, you know, basically they oversee Africa, they it'll see the broader Middle East, but they have now rescinded that local slash regional focus and traded in their terrorist combat cards in order to focus on guess who? Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran. As if Iran is a fucking threat in any way. As if North Korea is a threat in any way. Honestly, as if Russia is a threat in any way. China, the only one legitimately could be considered a threat. But of course, not a terrorist threat. Which is what they were, you know, they were supposedly focusing on. With this endless budget, which I just talked about actually in my daily rant today. I'm not going to go into it because you got to pay for that shit. But the military budgets increased, even though our global GDP decreased during a uh, quote-unquote pandemic, right? So, under the auspices of the global war on terror, our military budget continues to increase. And of course, due to the fear-mongering over what China is becoming, how they're increasing their military power, and over Russia and Putin, and what's he going to do? CENTCOM is now changed its focus, so it's no longer going to be centric on terrorists and on the war on terror but instead is focusing on Iran, China, Russia, etc. So this is why when you hear all these stories ginning up hatred for the Russians or the Chinese or anything else, when you hear Joe Biden declare a national emergency over a four-month-old hacking incident by Russia, you know why. It is to keep the military-industrial complex churning, to keep that Pentagon budget justified in the minds of the broader public, and to basically transfer the global war on X into the new generation. You know, it is really prolific when just how many times in my daily life, George Orwell's 1984 comes to the forefront of my mind, because as you remember, he had the daily hate. You know, you have to have a population that hates something else, that is focused and feared on something else. And now, with COVID seemingly going to the wayside, with the CDC telling us we don't have to wear our stupid masks outside if you're vaccinated, with vaccinations rolling out so quickly and so prolifically that people are actually turning them away, you know, states are literally turning back shipments being sent to them because people have either reached the point where everybody that needs them is vaccinated and the rest of us don't want them. Well, we have to get a new fear ginned up. So what's it going to be? Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. 
Our good old friends, once again, the best friends of the Empire coming back around again. But it really does show you that these people are using this, again, this same exact institution that was created for the war on terror. And they're they're couching it in such a way. And this is taken from you know a couple of articles I'm reading on antiwar.com. Uh, a general, I believe it was McKinney. Uh, hold on. Let's see. I can't find his fucking name now. It's too long of an article. But I, I believe it was General McKinney is over there in CENTCOM. And here's what he had to say, right, about the threats that pose, you know, pose to the region and how they're still such dire threats to us. And really, it just sounds like they're kind of just living in their region and, and keeping their military standardized in order to combat our ever-growing military. So he says, quote, and this is in regards to Russia and China specifically, Quote, both nations leverage their proximity to the region, you know, the region that they are basically always in proximity to because that's where they're from, unlike us who have no proximity to fucking anything in the region. But they leverage their proximity to the region, historical relations, <laughs> and a perceived decline in U.S. engagement to establish and strengthen opportunistic relationships. China and Russia seek ends in their own self-interest using different approaches. Russia plays the part of spoiler to the U.S. using military means, influence operations, and gray zone activities to undermine and disrupt U.S. influence and reassert its own global influence. China uses predominantly economic means to establish regional inroads with the long-term goal of expanding its military presence to secure vital routes of energy and trade. Now, that second route certainly appeals to me. I mean, honestly, I can't even say, how do we know that they plan to expand their military presence in all these countries abroad when it certainly seems as though they're just looking to expand their economic influence and that China is primarily interested in trade more than they are in militarism and conquering people as the U.S. has done or in overthrowing established, I don't know, dictators or leadership within countries that are in their quote unquote region. But I thought it was so funny, too. He assessed, uh, he assessed some additional threats during last year, saying in 2020, China and Russia exploited ongoing regional crises, financial and infrastructure needs, perceptions of declining U.S. engagement and the COVID-19 pandemic to advance their objectives across the Middle East and Central and South Asia to gain or enhance influence in the region. You mean just like we do all the time? And again, when we're talking about, you know, uh, oh, McKenzie, that's it, General McKenzie. We're talking about addressing financial and infrastructure needs. Okay, again, like the U.S. does nonstop in, in giving all of these foreign nations aid, even when they don't need it, in giving Israel aid, even when it doesn't need it, in gifting billions to other countries to build roads and do whatever else, which just get absconded with by the local dictators anyway. But we do the exact same fucking thing all the time. And yet we're supposed to believe that this is the latest great threat, that this is the terrorists on the brink. Meanwhile, the terrorists in the region that we've been fighting this whole time and been told that we have to spend trillions of dollars on a year, right? The ongoing global war on terror. Well, apparently those people weren't really worth bothering about to begin with. If we're just dropping it, what the fuck are we doing in Africa this whole time? If we can just on the drop of a hat decide, all right, you know, you know what? Nah, who cares about that anymore? Let's pigeon uh, or let's, let's completely do a 180. We'll focus on China and Russia and drop all those things way down the list. So clearly those things didn't matter to begin with. We've been conned. We all know this. The average person, I don't know, maybe not. But is there anything more transparent in this con than the fact that you can, on a dime, just completely alter course? 
not even worry about all the people you killed, not only worry about the terrorist threats that we were threatened with this, uh, all these last, what, 10 years, 12 years? How long have we been in Africa? How long have we been over these? I mean, obviously, we've been in Afghanistan 20 years. But on another front, let's talk about the newest battleground for uh, for fear-mongering, and that, of course, is the space race. And while Donald Trump was roundly mocked by liberals for creating Space Force, I would argue that that is, in fact, something you need to create. If we're going to have governments or we're going to have military, we are going to have to have some sort of space-focused institution in which to stay competitive with the other nations as they explore space and as technology advances. However, Space Force is separate from Spacecom, which is a newly created entity under the Biden administration, which is focusing on what? Ah, battling Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran. Now, I have to think that Iran is not going to be a fucking danger to anybody in the space uh, laser warfare division anytime soon, but that we have to continuously push back on Russia and China as they seek to obliterate us from space or they seek to extend the ways in which they can protect their own lands. God forbid they're able to protect their own lands from us but that they can protect their own lands from space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Spacecom will now look to do that, look to govern what's going on in regards to our enemies at home and, and how we're going to combat them in the spatial sphere. I mean, it's literally just one more excuse as the war on terror wraps up, as we worry about you know what we're going to terrify people with, that we have to terrify them, that space and hurtling objects, not only... Of course, from our enemies, but let's not forget they also need to uh, to really play up the fact that a comet may hit us. And God knows we read enough articles about comets whizzing by that are nowhere fucking near anything. But the best part about this really does sum up this guy, I think it's General Dicker- Dickinson, no, Dickerson, talking about how Russia is accused of developing space attack systems to hold U.S. and allied space assets at risk. Meanwhile, Dickerson assures the Senate committee, and this is all coming out of a Senate committee talk, that American and its allies' military expansion into space is solely for peaceful purposes. <laughs> as, though, as though America's expansion into everything military has been solely for peace at home, right? Don't fight them at home, fight them out there. So now we're fighting them out there in space. And he assures them that China and Russia's expansions into space are purely for illegitimate and aggressive reasons instead of just the same mutual protectionism that we all are striving for or the next step in exploration, in the next steps for what could be economic benefits of space exploration, etc. It is the most ridiculous worldview. It is clearly designed purely to keep those purses open. And the fact that they're positioning this as some sort of evil, maniacal uh, world population versus the good old United States and its allies in regards to space and how space is truly the great unknown for terrorist and aggressive actors is just uh, too, too good. Maybe Ming the Merciless will make an appearance. Uh, We'll have... America send up Flash Gordon in a CENTCOM outfit. He can battle the uh, the culture appropriating, was it Lawrence Van Sydow, I think, played Ming the Merciless in Flash Gordon. Fantastic film, by the way. Now is a trigger warning in front of it, naturally. But this is just all absurd. Um, speaking of the absurd, you know, not, one thing that's not absurd is Gavin Newsom is getting recalled. Well, he, well, he'll be on the ballot to be recalled, I should say. And naturally, he's making a push to open everything up in California and paint everything as roses and uh, daffodils because he's scared shitless that he will be recalled. 
And the Democrats had previously thought, well, it'll be fine because he still has a shockingly high approval rating of something like 60% because most of the people here are progressive morons. But there is enough out there that he could be recalled. There is enough danger out there, enough uh, motivated people, especially when attack ads start coming out and people start being made aware of the issues and who is running against him, that there could be some danger here. And the Democrats were not worried previously because it was San Diego's mayor, who's actually done a bang up job uh, in regards to not only the pandemic and being reasonable in that regard or pushing back as much as he could, not to the, not to perfection, by the way, he's no, no libertarian, but also on other things like initiatives to battle the homeless. He's done a lot better than L.A. has and California as a whole. So he was running and somebody else, I think a porn star is running again. But now Caitlyn Jenner is pitching herself to become the new savior that California needs. I guess Caitlin is anti-lockdowns, which is great. Of course, easier to be anti-lockdown now than previously. We needed somebody to step up the anti-lockdowns before. But I think it would be absolutely hilarious if Caitlyn Jenner became the new California governor. I mean, look, I'm sure the uh I'm sure Caitlyn Jenner was Probably pretty damn conservative, I'm presuming, as a, you know, Olympian turned millionaire turned, uh, I don't know, reality star watching his his porn starlet daughters do get massively rich and then becoming a, uh, a she from a he. But I'm still guessing that the conservative roots run deep within Caitlyn Jenner. So I would absolutely just laugh my ass off seeing her come into uh, the governorship. And really, no matter who takes the reins here in California, it's not going to be anybody that I can get on board with for most of the issues. So let's just go for the funniest person. You know, let's just make it hilarious. And one of the things that I also found really hilarious is that recently the the media has been reporting that the new uh, allotments for, I guess, uh, house seats coming out of the... uh, God, I cannot fucking think right now. I've forgotten 50 words and I've had to stop recording... 50 times the goddamn census. That's what I was thinking of the census. Anyway, so the census re uh, allocated seven seats moving among 13 states stemming from population shifts. Naturally, Texas won out because you've got a lot of blue assholes moving over there. So, you know, they're getting some extra seats. That's a little bit worrying, but uh, hopefully Texans can mount up and stop the blue wave from taking over that or we're all lost. Colorado got some Montana, Oregon, shockingly, Florida, and North Carolina each gained one seat. But you know who lost them? Oh, California, New York, they each lost a seat. West Virginia, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, Pennsylvania, all these places that went extra woke, that became extra douchey, that uh, that upped their taxes, that lowered their freedom quotients. These people all lost seats. Because people left them in droves to go to greener pastures with lower taxes and people that weren't going to tell them how to live their fucking lives every minute of the day. That's awesome. And what was extra funny, (coughs) excuse me, is that 89 people is what separated New York from keeping a seat versus Minnesota keeping it. So, ha, 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 suck it, New York. Too funny. So that's enjoyable to see. Hopefully people can see the writing on the wall and will ebb back some of the uh, the more egregious tax increases. Again, I don't expect that in California. California is too stupid to do that. 
Uh, let's talk real quick about a couple more things. Biden wants to establish a $15 an hour minimum wage for dot, 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 drum roll, federal contractors. So once again, we see now I know he's going to couch this in. Well, we're trying to we're trying to get these things set. And, you know, uh, come on, man. You know, we want to pay people what they're worth and we can't force people to do it quite yet. But he's going to push through this minimum wage for federal contractors. Once again, making sure that people that are working for the government get taken care of better than people in the private sector. Now, not to say that I think everybody should be getting paid a $15 minimum wage in the private sector, but I can guarantee you people working for $15 minimum wages for the federal government in these contractor jobs don't goddamn deserve that money, and in the free market, they would not get it. Not only because of where they're based geographically, which... Obviously, minimum wage pay should differentiate depending on the cost of living, the cost of how much it is to do business in that region and not just be a blanket statement that's going to limit people getting hired. But the federal government doesn't have that problem because they can hire as many people as they want all the time because they can print all the money and they can steal all the taxes to do it. On that same note, Joe Biden wants to spend $80 billion dollars to give to the IRS, to hire more agents, to hire more people, to work more hours, to go after the rich people that he wants to screw over over in order to raise $1 trillion. Good luck raising that money, Joe. Or at least this is, I guess, to partially pay for it, for the American Families Plan, which is supposed to reduce inequality by making investments in affordable childcare, paid family leave, free community college, which is the stupidest fucking idea in the goddamn world. Talk about a giant waste of money. But anyway... Enforcing these rich folks to go and pay the money that they're sk- that they're skirting around for taxes is a big part of that plan. He thinks the IRS crackdown could raise as much as seven hundred billion over ten years, right? So he wants to spend eighty billion over ter- eight hundred billion, excuse me, over ten years to raise seven hundred billion over ten years. Is my math wrong there? If he wants to spend eighty billion dollars this year on the IRS agents, I'm presuming that's a fixed cost, right? I'm presuming that you have to continuously go after these billionaires. So that 80 billion just is a, is a de facto part of the IRS's budget now. And expanded over 10 years, 80 billion times 10 is what, Joe? That's $800 billion. And you expect it to raise $700 billion. So that is a net loss of $100 billion over 10 years. This is fundamentally stupid. This is fundamentally nonsensical and does not work. And yet you have Joe Biden pushing it through. God damn, these people are stupid. And one more thing just to wrap it up on uh, on old Joe. Well, two things. The Washington Post has ended its fact-checking conveniently at the 100-day mark, saying that, well, Joe is laps back into a more traditional pattern of presidential bullshit and lies. And they really say, yeah, he's obfuscating the truth. There are some canards. There's obviously exaggerations and they're hiding stuff. I'm sorry, isn't that exactly what Trump did to a T? Isn't that the point of it making that every president has done this exact same thing throughout their history, throughout the history of the world, that the press secretary purely is there to lie to you as press members? But no, the Washington Post conveniently has decided that after 100 days, they don't need to to fact check Joe Biden any longer. And in a, hey, who could have seen this coming moment? The new pandemic payment has once again created the incentive for people simply not to work. 
to the point where McDonald's in certain cities is actually paying people $50 just to come in and take an interview to get a job because they can't fill those entry-level jobs anymore because people can make more money simply declaring unemployment and sitting on their asses and getting paid that extra $600 a week. Well, that's your wrap-up in government crap tonight. Guys, by the way, I was just on the Tower Gang podcast. That was a lot of fun. Had a great time over there with Toad and uh, Fat Dave. Wait, what was it? Fat Dave Alt is <laughs> the nickname uh, one of the other gents was using on there, as well as Will Fight, who uh, actually is hosting a case race for charity. So we were talking about the uh, on the Tower Gang podcast last uh, last night, the case race for charity, which I will be representing Lions of Liberty in and doing it for our charity, which we've given uh, thousands of dollars to over the last year as 10% of our uh, Patreon fees had been going to them regularly during COVID. Uh, that is, of course, Donor C. And if you're not familiar with them, check them out. They do amazing work. It's run by a libertarian. And it's literally, you can see where your money is going. It's not giant overarching projects. It's small projects that you can say, I'm going to go build a well in this town. I'm going to go you know, provide food for this town. I'm going to go save that sick girl by providing her medical care on a project-by-project basis that you see the direct results of. Fantastic charity. So I'm going to be doing this case race. It takes place Saturday. I believe we're starting at 6 p.m. PDT, and it's going to be live streamed to Twitter. So follow me at Brian McWilliams or at Lines of Liberty. And of course, I will be tweeting about that to remind everybody as we get closer. And uh, yeah, guys, otherwise, check out Mark on Mondays. He just had, uh, had Matt Erickson on for a good chat. I am, of course, here on Wednesdays with my unique brand of uh, forgetting words and getting pissed off at myself. And John is on Thursdays now with Finding Freedom, and uh, he's been having some awesome guests on. If you missed it, he had a guy on that literally was in prison, uh, notified the feds that he had information on the Pulse nightclub shooting and was summarily ignored. And that's why that shooting ended up happening. So... We're here for you guys. All right, that's going to do it for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric at Liberty Land. Always stay plugged into Liberty. <laughs>